0: For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. A little bit earlier today because your good friend and host has a very, very busy day in front of me. Wanted to go ahead and get this out. And and number one, I, I love you. And I want you to have nice things and I want you to have a great Friday. I hope it's a payday. For you. May not be, maybe you're a bi weekly wage runner and next week's your payday, but uh, nevertheless, hope that you guys uh, are good to go and ready for a big weekend. And for all of you Mississippi State students out there, let me encourage you as your good friend, Uncle Steve here. I want everybody to have a great time at Bulldog Bash, but be responsible. Take care of yourselves, take care of the people that you love, take care of your friends and everybody you go with, make sure you leave with, no man or woman left behind. You guys, these are some of the greatest days of your life. Go enjoy them. It's okay to be a little bit irresponsible, okay? Your parents won't tell you that, but I'll tell you, it's it's okay to get a little wild every now and again. Bulldog bash is one of those times, but not at the expense of other people's good times. Don't go out there and be a jerk, okay? Nobody, nobody wants to deal uh, with the overly intoxicated friend that uh, has trouble walking back and draws attention to the group and everybody gets a public drunk charge, okay? No, nobody wants that friend in the group. But you go to have a good time. Go enjoy T-Pain. That's a big name. It really is. That's a, that's a big established name to get for Bulldog Bash, and so... Great job by the Bulldog Bash organizers. And one of the coolest things about Bulldog Bash, and I want to share this with you in case you didn't know this, because I learned this last week, pardon me, last year. We're going to have Bulldog Bash, and then tomorrow morning downtown is going to look like nothing happened. And that's going to be because the Mississippi State students, the wonderful, blessed, wonderful Mississippi State students, are going to clean up after themselves. There is a group of people that is that are connected with the organizers of Bulldog Bash, that they love Starkville, they love Mississippi State, and they're not going to leave any trash behind. This is not going to be you know some Woodstock thing where you know the city is devastated. It is incredible the job those people do, and uh, my hat is off to them. I, I I go to breakfast on Saturday mornings on game day, downtown, and uh, and I'll tell you. I was shocked when I went last year. Shocked, I tell you. So, great job to the students. Really, really proud of you guys. Need you guys to be loud and proud this weekend. Again, go enjoy the bash. want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, right there on University, within walking distance of campus in the Cotton District. And the Cotton District is a booming place, man. If you have not been recently, you need to go and right in the epicenter of it all, is Bulldog Burger Company. The best place to get a great restaurant-quality hamburger. You're not going to find a better place to break bread in the city of Starkville, in the Golden Triangle. I'm still riding the Lauren train. Sorry, Bryant, but I'm still on the Lauren train. Really happy to have those guys as partners. You need to go by bring your family. Listen, kids love hamburgers. We all love hamburgers. Make sure you could you can waste your time, effort, and money on a fast-food hamburger. You can. But man, how nice is it to go put your feet under the table and enjoy a great restaurant-quality hamburger. That's exactly what you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company. Reminds you, on Monday, September 23rd, Bulldog Burger location number two, Tupelo, Mississippi, the home of Elvis and Tupelo Honey, will now be a new home for Bulldog Burger Company. Go by check them out right there on Gloucester Street. Encourage you to go find your own favorites. You're not not going to do better. It's It's as simple as that. You wanted the best, you got the best. Bulldog Burger Company, a place in Starkville, and now Tupelo, where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So, a lot to talk about. The first thing that I want to talk about right out of the gate, I want to talk about this uh, Cash Daniel stuff. Everybody's got some uh, some hot takes on this, and, uh, and I'm going to share with you mine, and, I, and I, I'm confident that mine is probably aligned with, with many of yours. But first, let me say this, is... Uh, <clears throat> The whole twisting the ankle and twisting the knee trick that you know that, that that is something that has existed as long as there has been football I'm not defending it but I'm just want to make sure you understand this is not atypical if you recall back in week one Mississippi State played Louisiana and they'll always be you all lafayette to me uh, but late in the ball game Colin Hill after you know after the game is pretty much being put away there uh, a defender from from uh, Louisiana one of the raging Cajuns attempted to uh, to twist Colin uh, Hill's leg and uh, th- that led to some concern people were like, you know what Steve, he didn't come back and we, what was he doing on the sideline, he kind of hobbled off of course he made a full recovery but that said it's a dirty side of football there's a lot of things that go on when guys are getting up out of the pile Cash Daniel got caught and what we saw from Cash Daniel is despicable absolutely despicable Florida already dealing with the season-ending injury of Felipe Franks. And then Trask out there trying to make a play is laying there in a vulnerable position, and there's Cash Daniel grabbing his foot with both hands and try, attempting to twist the ankle there. Didn't work out. Trask goes on and leads Florida to a win over Kentucky. Uh, but it does not, does not speak well of Kentucky football. It does not speak well. Of Coach Mark Stoops, it doesn't speak well of the Southeastern Conference that there does nothing more done about this. It's one of those things again that it happens, but this is something that has been uh, widely publicized over the course of the last few few days. And then a TV station yesterday releases a different angle, and you can plainly see that Cash Daniel clearly with an attempt to injure Kyle Trask. Now he he spoke uh, with some folks, uh, you know, in the media people, who, and I give the, the Kentucky media some credit for asking the question, but the, his response, I thought, was, uh, w- was pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. I won't get into the full statement, but uh, the crux of it is this. Do I talk a lot of crap? Absolutely. Do I bump a dude here and there to get underneath his skin and talk while I'm doing it? Absolutely. That's part of my game. It's what I do. But am I out there to deliberately hurt somebody? Absolutely not. I'm not out there to twist anybody's ankle. End of story. Well, it wasn't the end of the story, Cash. Because the video clearly shows you did exactly what you were accused of. And then he goes on to say that he plays with an FU mentality and that sort of stuff. And listen, good good for you, Cash. A- absolutely wonderful for you. Uh, but here's the deal. that There's no place for that in football. It's a violent game in and of itself. It's one thing to do it between the whistles. You know, and those of us that have played a little bit, and, and I didn't play a whole lot. I, I, can, I can assure you that. But we all kind of understand there there is a code of conduct among the fraternity. When the play is going on and you want to go out there and you blast somebody, you know what, you knock them out of the ball game, we get the bell rung or whatever, that, that's kind of part of the game. But when you go out of your way to deliberately attempt to injure an opposing player getting up out of the pile, you know, it's one thing if Trask is out there running an open field, and you get a chance to tattoo him, and you do it. You know what? You're gonna get you're gonna get an Attaboy in the film study the next day. But for what has happened here, this is despicable. And there's some other hardliners out there. Well, Steve, you know it is it is football, and I understand that. But I also understand too that this there is no place for this in the game. Uh, so Mark Stoops responds. Because the, the media out crying yesterday was, was incredible. There were so many people uh, discussing this matter. People tagging the Southeastern Conference Office. People tagging the SEC officiating account. People tagging Greg Sankey. I don't think any of that does any good, to be honest with you. Because I think they probably just got some staffer monitoring the account that, that doesn't read the mentions and they just simply, uh, you know, they just tweet out what they want. It's it's a uh, it's it is a communication tool. I don't think they're really interested in engaging with any of us. But Mark Stoops said on Thursday, "I'm not going to get into hypotheticals, but I've addressed this issue and we'll move on. But in general, nobody is going to intentionally hurt anybody. That's not going to happen on our team." But it did happen. It did happen. So, but the information that we have now from our friends at CatPaws.com, the Kentucky affiliate for 247 Sports, is that Cash Daniel will play against Mississippi State. There was a, uh, I would say, kind of a groundswell yesterday of people demanding that Cash Daniel be suspended for this weekend's game. Uh, That's not going to happen. And uh, I, I submit to you that there are probably more Florida Gator fans cheering for Mississippi State this weekend than at any point in history. It's one of those things too, and and you know, there are people say, well, you know, I love a heel. You know what I do too. I, I do. I I love a heel. I love the heat that they draw. But for Cash Daniel to go out there and do this, and then to come back and say, oh, I didn't do it. I was really. I was trying to move this guy. This guy's offensive line was in my way, and I wanted to move this guy's leg. And I'm just trying to get my surgically repaired hand out of there because I've been the victim of a dirty play. And I've got you know a plate and seven screws in my leg to prove it. You know what? Maybe, maybe that's true, but that doesn't excuse what's happened. Two wrongs don't make a right. And so what I anticipate happening here is I believe that Cash Daniel will be uh, will have a target this weekend, not from the Mississippi State players. Even though listen, that guy ran his head last year in the post game. You know, and, and if he's if he's creeping up by the pile late in the play, he might want to keep his head on a swivel. A little football justice there. But I think he's going to have a target on his back for the officials. I think they are going to watch him very, very, very closely. And I think as a result, you're going to see a different level of play from him. He led Kentucky in tackles last weekend, 10 tackles. Good, good for cash. But this week, I think he's going to have to mind his P's and Q's. Because I think if he does anything out of sorts this weekend – Not only will will he be facing an ejection, I think he will be facing a suspension because he has a bit of a history as a hothead. He has a history of a guy that kind of runs his mouth. And one of the things that I have learned, and listen, I guess he's having a good year this year, is that he has been a much better football player on social media than he has on the football field. And so for him to go out and do these things to kind of draw attention to himself in a negative light, I think he deserves every bit of criticism that he gets. And the better part of all this, because I think Mississippi State will benefit from the fact that he will be officiated much closer. I think that's that's good for Mississippi State. But also, Mississippi State is not the person bringing this to bear. Mississippi State's not out there, you know, you know going after the SEC, saying, hey, what's going on here? Mississippi State's just kind of lining the weeds out here, going to practice, getting ready to play. Much different than it was a year ago. You guys may remember... Kentucky and Mississippi State players got into a war of words on social media last year. And to Kentucky's credit, they backed their end of it up. They won the ballgame. There has been none of that talk this year. Now, it's one of the things, when you look back at last year, it's one of the things I shared this morning on Mississippi Sports this morning. That was an embarrassing loss for Mississippi State. Not just the fact that we went over there and didn't play well offensively, and that we didn't, we didn't play run defense well the whole ball game. I guess there were times we played, but Benny Snell got the better of us. He called his shot and he beat us, simple as that. But there were so many unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. There were so many pre-snap penalties. There were some delay-of-the-game penalties. We looked like an undisciplined football team in Lexington, Kentucky last year. We deserved that loss. There is no question. Kentucky deserved to win. Now, late in the ball game, it's a one-score game. Brian Cole gets a big interception. We're thinking, okay, here we go. Here, here we go. If we, we just felt like if we could ever get even, we could win. And then we go backwards every play. And, it, and it, just, it, was, it was a comedy of errors, one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. But I give Kentucky credit because down the stretch, when Mississippi State began to pout a little bit, Kentucky took full advantage. Benny Snell took full advantage. And we lose the ball game. And I remember that long drive home from Lexington the next day. My phone would not stop ringing. Steve, do we have the wrong coach? Steve, what's going to happen? Can we beat Florida next week? You know, and so that's really, that's really when the bloom kind of came off the rose for Joe Moorhead when we lose that ball game at Kentucky. Because again, it wasn't just that we lost. It was how we lost. We were anemic on offense. Our pass protection was awful. Our discipline was awful. When there was a couple of calls that went against us, it were probably incorrect. I remember a pass interference call that was, uh, was ridiculous. And then there was a pass interference call against Kentucky that they picked up. You know, and, and you could argue the merits of that call, but I think considering the fact that they had kind of given one to Kentucky, they probably owed us one as well. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, it didn't have anything to do with officiating. It had to do with the fact that Mississippi State did not go up there and play Mississippi State football, and Kentucky did. And so you tip your cap to them and you say, you know what, we're going to come home and lick our wounds and get better. Joe Moorhead should not have to make any motivational speeches on Saturday, and I'm sure that he will. But if I was the head coach at Mississippi State, I would have had the post-game press conference of that Kentucky ball game playing in the sound system of Mississippi State football complex all week, all week long. When Cash Daniel said last year that he hoped Mississippi State players got back to home to starve, that their girlfriends broke up with them, uh, he called Colin Hill out, that stuff, I would have made sure that none of that was forgotten. You know what? We went up there and we played poorly and we lost the ball game. But you know what? Those same guys that you were arguing with on Twitter, they got the chance to run their mouth because they won the ball game. And not only did they run their mouth about winning the ball game, they ran their mouth about you. They made it personal with you. And I think you got to come out with an edge on your shoulder. And I think this Cash Daniel thing kind of provides a distraction for Kentucky because there hasn't really been a lot of talk about the ball game. All of the talk this week in the media and about Kentucky football has been about something, that a despicable play from a guy with a history of being a hothead. And if, and if you've read the Twitter mentions today, and I'm not going to lend any credence to allegations made on social media because there's been a bunch of those made that have proven to be false. But Cash Daniel clearly has a problem. Clearly has a problem. And so all of this circus that's gone on this week about all this, I, I don't care who you are or where you're from. If you, if you have followed Southeastern Conference football this week, you are aware of that play. With Daniel and Trask last weekend, how could you not be? It's been everywhere. Every, if you if you go to all the the SEC message boards, that's people are talking about that. And so, and if you go read social media, people are talking about that. People are tagging Cash Daniel. You know, uh, and, I, and I don't care who you are, or where you're from. It's at some point that gets to you, especially when you're an, an emotional person like he appears to be. Uh, But the bottom line is that this is uh, something that is going to be an issue if we kind of move forward, but he is going to play. I think Mississippi State cannot get involved in the back-and-forth on the field. Kentucky is going to talk, and as I said earlier in the show, Kentucky deserves to be able to talk after last year. But they're going to come out, and they're going to talk, they're going to run their mouth, and especially if they're able to get some momentum early in the ballgame. That's why I think it's important for State to come out strong and shut them up. And when the play is over, rather than engage in all the trash talk, just go back to the huddle. Just go back to the huddle. You know what? Do all your talking on the field. And then post game. and it's one of those things that I've learned about life, is those people that live their lives that way, that they, they, if they say you live by the sword, you die by the sword, and the good book tells us. But the people that live to run their mouth, they can't stand it when you won't run your mouth about them. That's one of the reasons you know, some of these people that run their mouth about me, I don't talk about them on my show because I don't want to validate them. I don't want them to think that they have a value in my life. And so, Kylan Hill, go rush for about 200 yards this weekend and run over them and put Cash Daniel on your NFL prospect reel you know that every general manager is going to review. Go run his big butt over two or three times and make him part of your highlight package, and then in post game, don't even mention his name. Don't even acknowledge that he exists. Just go win the ball game. Just go win the game. And then go get ready for Auburn. As soon as that ball game hits final on Saturday, our talk should be about Auburn, not about Kentucky, not about Cash Daniel, not about what happened in the Florida game. Go beat Kentucky, make it three and one, and then go get ready to play Auburn. I want to remind you guys, too, it's one of the best times of the year. It's football season. Our friends at my bookie are trying to make that uh, more profitable for you. I know some of you guys, you like to, you know, you work all week. We put up with a lot of nonsense, guys. We really do. We do. And maybe at the end of the week, it's maybe you don't want to come to the ballgame. Maybe you just like to say, you know what, when I get up Saturday morning, I'm going to put on college game day, and I'm going to watch football, and so it's time to go to bed Sunday night. Game-winning touchdowns, two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines. There's nobody out there to get them. There's nothing like the NFL, college football. And there's a better way to make games even more exciting. Maybe it's time for you to put a little skin in the game. So go do that at mybookie.ag. Nobody's going to give you more ways to win than they do. My bookie's got fast payouts, better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, your betting, where you're betting, is just as important as who you're betting on. Mybookie.ag. A.G. Best in the business. I wouldn't be telling you guys to be with them if they weren't longtime members of our, our program here. We've been they've been sponsored me for many years. So if you're going to bet this football season, let me encourage you to bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and try to win a lot. Maybe it's a parlay for you. If all your picks come through, you can multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, NFL season's the best time of year. I think we can all agree. Join now, my bookie will. Double your first deposit. We're going to change the promo code this week. Promo code is Boneyard to activate that offer. Boneyard, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D. Activate your offer to double that first deposit. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play. You win. You get paid. So there has been other news outside of uh, <laughs> Cash Daniel. There, Everybody's wondering about Tommy Stevens. One of the things that I'm going to go ahead and share with you now, one of the things that I am learning Quickly about Joe Moorhead, is that the uh, the Monday injury reports are for entertainment purposes only. Things change throughout the week, and I think sometimes I think Joe kind of enjoys speaking to his opponents through the media. Uh, that, that's just my opinion. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you, you know, there were some dis, you know, discussions last week about you know the only guy that we expect to be out, in Parker, and then you end up having Cameron Dancer and Nick Nick Gibson. You know, and so I think there are times, and I, I, I'm just going to say, I think there's some misdirection when it comes to some of this. So we expected Tommy Stevens to start last week. I expect him to start this week. But I have been told Garrett Schrader, again, has taken a lot of the reps with the ones just in case. They wanted Tommy to get some rest this week. He's been able to get some treatment. And everybody tells me that he's in much better position this week than he was a week ago. We don't want him to have a recurrence of the injury, and I'm sure he's not quite 100 percent. And then people always say, "Well, Steve, he's not 100 percent." I'll put him out there, guys. Nobody is 100 percent to plays college football after week one. Just the reality of life. But I think even at 90 percent, Tommy Stevens gives you your best chance to win the ball game, especially against that secondary. You know, State's got to come out and play well. You know, Kentucky's got a big offensive line. They're going to try to run the football. Probably play a little ball control. Sawyer Smith had a good game last week. At, at, at times, okay. But he's a guy too that hadn't seen a whole lot. You know, I think you can you can disguise some coverages, and he will throw you the football. But they're going to be a pretty balanced offense. But I think you, know, Tommy Stevens, gives State the best chance to win, especially against when you look at their defensive unit. Uh, they're, they're very linebacker heavy, but they're linebackers that really run well as far as run support. I, I think you can get those guys in space and you can beat them out in the pass pattern. I, I don't think they have a linebacker that can run with Colin Hill. I think Dante Jones and Farad Green are guys that can make plays against those guys. And so I, I, think, I think rather than sit back, I think you go attack those linebackers. I think you bring the game to them and then you kind of get them in no man's land, that'll open up some of the running game for you. But, but again, everything is predicated on our ability to throw the football down the field. We've got to be able to keep those safeties out of the box. You've got to show them that you can hit the long ball, that you can make that throw down the field to keep them honest. Because if they're walking two safeties down in the box, it's going to kind of hem things up on the interior. It's as simple as that. And that's what Kansas State did. We struggled early on to protect Tommy Stevens. So what that meant is our receivers couldn't get down the field into their routes and plays couldn't develop. Tommy Stevens was running for his life. We've got to be better this week. We've got to be it. we've got to be able to throw the ball down the field and that begins at pass pro. It ends with us catching the football because we did settle down a bit we put a drive together. next thing you know we, we throw a pass to Steven It's a little bit high, bounces off his hands and into the hands of a Kansas State defender. And I had somebody mention last night on the on the Facebook live show because when Stephen Gidry has the ball bounce off his hands, it, it usually has a catastrophic result for Mississippi State, kind of harkening back to last year's uh, Outback Bowl. And that's true. Should have made both of those catches. And I think he'll tell you that. And that, that reminds me, if, if you're not, this week was the first Facebook live shows that I've done. You can go find those at the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page. And, and it's, we'll, we'll tweet it out and that sort of stuff. But it's going to be Mondays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Mondays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. on the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page. We'll go Facebook Live there. Some of the greatest Bulldog fans in the world will be there. Come come join that. But he mentioned that about Guidry, and, uh, and, and that's true. But to be fair to the Mississippi State wide receivers, Michael Johnson has them playing well. The first two weeks of the year, they were outstanding, probably as good as they have played in, in a couple of years. And then you had some issues on, on Saturday against Kansas State. And one of the things that I kind of noticed in hindsight about that ball game with Kansas State is I felt like, you know, once we had a little adversity, that we played a little tight. I think everybody played a little tight. And, and I, I'm not going to say that we're a front-running team, but if you go look at what happened at you know, Louisiana at Southern Miss, we go, we go down and we score early in those ballgames, and we're beginning to have some offensive success, and everybody kind of settles in. Well, we, we didn't have that success early in this ball game. We get down 10 nothing, and it just kind of felt like everybody played tight. It took some time to kind of get things going. So that's important. Getting the, the, the big start, getting Kentucky on their heels a little bit, putting the game in Sauger Smith's hands, I, I think is a win for Mississippi State. I think that is without question the way to go. So I've got State winning the ballgame. I think it'll be another close one. I think it'll be similar to last week, except that I think it'll be Mississippi State making the play late to win the ballgame. That's how I see it. I think it'll be an entertaining ballgame. Kentucky's going to score some. We're going to score some. I expect the Mississippi State defensive effort to be good, but I think Mississippi State's also going to be able to throw the ball down the field. Now, if Tommy Stevens, for some reason, doesn't play, or or it's a similar situation where it's a first-half, second-half type deal, I think that tightens things up even more. I think Garrett Schrader is a guy that uh, is coming on. But I think the the quarterback that gives Mississippi State the best chance to be proficient offensively is Tommy Stevens because, of the fact, he is a much more polished passer. He's seen a lot more. I mean, not had as many game reps as most seniors, but uh, you know, he's a guy that's been around, been well coached. But I expect State to win a ballgame. I think it's a close one, but I expect State to win a games. So let's look around the league this weekend. Uh, Southern Miss at Alabama, that's one of your you – got four 11 a.m. games this week. Southern Miss at Alabama. Uh, I, Alabama's not going to have any trouble with Southern Miss. And, uh, you know, Southern Miss is a team that will do really well in their league. Uh, I think Jack Abraham's going to have have a big year. Uh, they're not ready for Alabama. I, 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 this is going to be – I think Alabama runs right over Southern Miss. Uh, LSU on the road at Vanderbilt, you know, uh, Vanderbilt will probably make this a little more respectable from a defensive standpoint. And, and I'm interested to see what Derek Mason will cook up for Joe Burrow because that OSU offense right now is absolutely rolling, more so than I think any of us expected. Those young wide receivers are growing up before our eyes. LSU is trouble, man. They they really are, and and I and I give Ed Orgeron credit. I think when when they hired Eddie O, we all kind of snickered to ourselves and thought, okay, well LSU will kind of come back to the pack here for a little bit, and and they did in some respects. Yes, you know, state absolutely embarrassed them a couple of year, years ago here, 37 to seven. But LSU is scary. I mean, looking at them right now. Granted, we've only played three ball games, but LSU is ahead of schedule. I think when we begin to think about, okay, yeah, we expect them to win these games. I don't know that we expect them to be quite as prolific offensively. That's what impresses me. So Derek Mason might kind of pave the way, if you know what I'm saying. Vanderbilt may not win the game. I don't expect them to. I think LSU wins this game pretty handily, but I expect it to be a a little bit of a tussle. I don't think they score quite as much this week. But uh, Derek Mason could kind of point something, maybe some chinks in the LSU armor that other teams behind them will be able to say, you know what, that worked for them. Let's do more of that. To me, I think that's really the lesson learned this week is Derek Mason, one of the best defensive minds in the game, matching up with that LSU offense and kind of seeing what he cooks up to slow them down. I think that that's rather intriguing. Uh, Tennessee will be at Florida. Uh, that's your ESPN game. Yeah, I thought Florida looked good with Trask at quarterback. I, I really did, and I, and I hate what happened with Felipe Franks, but I thought, I thought they had new life with Trask in there. Trask, to me, is a better passer. I think when you look at – how well they ran those comeback routes and how they really attacked Kentucky on the perimeter and forced those guys to make tackles in space, that's kind of when the game turned. And I think most people, including myself, once when Kentucky's up 21-10 at home and Felipe Franks goes down, I thought the game was over. I thought it was over. Matter of fact, I was out eating dinner with the family, and uh, the next thing you know, Florida, here comes Florida. And I was like, hey, let's sit here and finish the ball game. And then everybody gets engaged in the game, and, and Florida wins. Tennessee is really struggling. I don't even think Tennessee knows what struggle is yet. And, and I know they lost a couple ball games early Georgia State, BYU. They beat UT Chat last weekend. Uh, they're in for a rough stretch. They're, they're, they're really in for a rough stretch. And it starts this weekend. And, and you know, Florida uh, just got more talent. But I think, too, with this thing being in the swamp, after last weekend's win on the road, I think the swamp, even at 11 a.m., is going to be pretty serious. I, you know, I think having those guys back, they will rally around that Trask kid. The fans will, the program will. Uh, this is going to be a good ball game, and I really don't know that Florida loses a whole lot offensively with Trask at quarterback. Right? They might be better because uh, I don't know that he's maybe the uh, the swashbuckler that Felipe Frank says. Frank's has a tendency to kind of take some chances. I think Trask. Looks to be a little more of a, a little more polished, I guess. At times, he doesn't give you the same running threat as Felipe Franks, but I think maybe he's a little bit better the pass game. Uh, Cal on the road at Ole Miss, I'm picking Cal, uh, and not just on principle, but that Cal defense is really, really good. Uh, Ole Miss kind of got some things going last week, but I'll tell you, you know, if you're an Ole Miss guy, and thank goodness I'm not, I, I just I don't know if you're an Ole Miss guy how how you feel good after last weekend. I mean, yeah, you won the ball game. But that ball game was in doubt. Uh, you know, it ends up being a forty to twenty-nine deal, and Ole Miss had to make it. You know, it score a touchdown late to put them away, and uh, not to mention, you know, people say, "Well, defensively, they're playing better, guys." You, you had to stop Southeastern in the fourth quarter twice on downs. It's as simple as that. It's Southeastern Louisiana. What else you? It's Southeastern. Chasing Virgil, former Mississippi State commitment, goes 29 of 44 for 309 yards and two touchdowns and throws three interceptions. Matt Corral, 21 of 30 for 239 and a couple touchdowns. Phillips runs for 103, Jerry and Ely 95. So he's starting to get going a little bit. Had the kickoff return for a touchdown. A very difficult guy to corral in open field for sure. Elijah Moore, another big ball game for Ole Miss. But, guys, when you give up 29 to Southeastern and you needed a couple of fourth-down stops late in the ballgame to kind of put them away, uh, I, I don't know how you feel real good about life. But uh, but that's just me. That's just me. You're going to see a lot better quarterbacks than uh, Chase and Virgil. But I, I like Cal to win the ballgame. I mean, Cal has played some really strong defense. Uh, they're also going to be able to match up talent-wise with Ole Miss. That's one of the things I think you look at in this whole deal is that uh, as you get into SEC play and you get into these Power 5 games, as Mississippi State saw last week, you better step your game up. Cal currently 3-0. and 3-0. The big win on the road at Washington in Week 2. Not a very prolific offensive team, but a very efficient defensive team. Again, that's an, that's an early ball game. I, I like Cal to win the ball game. Peter Sermons had really good success against Ole Miss over the years. So looking at the other ball games, when we get into the uh, the afternoon games, your CBS game is Auburn at A&M. Auburn uh, overrated at eight, okay? And, and I, I, I I still don't understand it. It's like everybody knew that last year that uh, Auburn was in you know precarious shape, and then they negotiate a new contract for Gus Malzahn, lessening the buyout, and then uh, some people in the media vote them high. Uh, they're replacing a quarterback, and they've, they've, you know, got some losses at some other positions. I like Booby Whitlow a lot. He's the second leading rusher in the Southeastern Conference behind Kylin Hill by 90 yards. I just don't think this team is ready to go on the road and win a true road game. And I think A&M, the way they're scoring offensively right now, that they, you know, this is not a good time to play AM. It's never good to play AM in September. You know what I'm saying? It's like you want to get them a little bit later in the year. I expect A&M to win the ball game. I think it'll be a good one, but I think A&M wins the game. I'm uh, kind of excited about this one, too. I think this will be one we can – probably one that we need to DVR, if you know what I'm saying, because State's going to play at three. But I think this A&M-Auburn game is, is arguably the best one of the weekend. I think South the, the CBS folks got the game they really wanted. Uh, South Carolina is at Mizzou. Uh, South Carolina played Alabama a little better, I think, than I anticipated last week. I think it'll be similar to what they do against Mizzou this week. I just don't know that South Carolina can score. I mean, that, that's going to be the issue. I think they can play good enough defense to stay in the ballgame. Uh, Kelly Bryant putting up some ridiculous numbers in Missouri. I mean, ridiculous. And that's another thing, too. I, when I get into look at this quarterback recruiting stuff, you look at what Drew Locke did at Mizzou, you look at what Kelly Bryant's doing at Mizzou, I think Missouri could be a real challenger for quarterbacks in, in that Midwestern region because of what they're able to do offensively. It's 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 been uh, it's been impressive to watch. They'll figure some things out defensively. I like Mizzou in the ball game, being at home. This is pretty much a toss-up game, but I think the way because of the quarterback situation in South Carolina with the injury to Jake Bentley, yeah, you know, as we talk about on the show many times, it doesn't matter if it's the Pee Wees to the Pros, the team with the better quarterback almost always wins, in this case, it's Missouri, San Jose State at Arkansas. Uh, this is one of those things. Arkansas scheduled extremely well, trying to get to a bowl game. Schedule themselves some uh, winnable non-conference games, and then hope to pick off a couple of games and get to six and six. Well, one of the games I'm sure that they had their eyes on was that Ole Miss game. They've lost that one, so now they're two and one and zero and one in the SEC. They'll get San Jose State this week. They could be three and one, and then that's when things get interesting. Then they host A&M. They go to Lexington, which I'm sure that's when they're looking at thinking, okay, maybe we got a chance. Then they host Auburn. Then they go to Alabama. And then they host Mississippi State, and so you look at that stretch right there, and there there is not a uh, there's not a bye week after A&M like they, they play A&M. You had the bye week, and then it's four SEC games in a row, and that's truly going to define the season. And I don't think there's any of those games you look at right now and say, you know what, you guys should win that. That's what makes games like this one so important. Yeah, they'll beat San Jose State, but when you begin to start counting games, despite the fact they're going to be three and one, and that'll be the chatter. Go ahead and get ready. They will have beaten three teams they should have beat easily, and and everybody will be like, hey, they're taking the right steps. They hadn't played anybody. I mean, and even the game against Arkansas, you know, I, we, we all know that Ole Miss is in transition, but Ole Miss wins that ball game. Arkansas had their opportunities, but, you know, Ole Miss did what they needed to do to win. It's not a good Arkansas team. But that's all you're going to hear. Go ahead and get ready. Next week, they're 3-1, fighting to get the ball eligibility. But you start counting games, the only game left on the schedule you look at and say they should win is Western Kentucky. I don't see them winning at LSU or beating Missouri. Just don't see it happening. They could be they could be 4-8. and They could be 4-8, and 0-8 in the league. But remember, they were 3-1 and at one time. Notre Dame at Georgia... Uh, I, I don't. I don't think this is near the matchup that some people are making out to be. I think from a talent standpoint, Georgia is a little bit faster. I, I'm a big Swift fan. I, I really think Jake Fromm is a, is a star in the making. He's already been a great college quarterback. My hope is Pittsburgh Steelers draft him next year uh, because of the fact I think Big Ben is done. But uh, this will be you know this will be a good one. After our game is over, we'll be able to kind of settle in and uh, and watch this ball game. You know, because who cares about San Jose State and Arkansas if you don't live outside of Fayetteville? Nobody's gonna be watching that ball game. We'll watch Notre Dame Georgia, and I think this will be a good game. But I think Georgia is the superior team, and I think that'll show pretty early in the ball game. I just, I, I just, I just don't think Notre Dame's got the athletes to run with Georgia through four quarters. Want to remind you guys too, if you hadn't done so, go visit my good friend Stan Ray and Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely talented Susie, there at campus bookmark that is a Starkvillian institution they have been here forever in a day you can find whatever you need there when it comes to maroon and white merchandising and if, and if maybe game day is not a shopping day for you maybe you're in a hurry to get the tailgate set up and kind of enjoy the day we encourage you to visit them on the world wide web at campusbookmark.net you can peruse their fine selections of all things maroon and white you can outfit your home your pet your your office your rv whatever you have You can find whatever you need to identify as a Mississippi State Bulldog right there at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a promo code that will save you a little cash. That code is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that will get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. Before we get out of here, I want to talk about some baseball stuff. I know you guys are always ready to talk a little Diamond Dog baseball. We had a chance last weekend to visit with Coach Chris Limonis, uh Justin Foscue, and Jordan Westberg. And those videos are available for free over on jeanspage.com right now. You can go to the baseball forum. You can watch those things. We, we do a lot of free content these days. There's still some VIP stuff, a lot, of mem- a lot of value in being a member. But anytime we have like these big press conference type opportunities, we try to always video that for you guys to make it easy for you to find. Because sometimes it's not going to be carried by Hell State TV. We don't want you to be uninformed. So you can go watch those videos. But a few things that I'll share with you. I always like hearing about the newcomers. You know, who were some of the new guys that, are, that the older guys, you know, kind of have their eyes on? We asked Justin Foskew and Jordan Westberg. Both of them mentioned the same two names, and I want to share those with you because I think they're important. The first one is a kid by the name of Mason Land. Mason Land, an infielder from Containment, Florida, J.M. Tate Senior High School. And State's got an opening, I guess, at uh, at third base, you know. But uh, Mason's a guy that uh, I understand can play around the infield. But he has impressed some of the older guys. I understand he's got a really good bat, got a really good approach up there, and that he is the guy that we are expecting a contribution from uh, this year. That is obviously significant. Another guy that has really stood out to them is Austin Kelly from Leland, Mississippi, a product of Washington School, 6'1", 206-pound catcher, a guy that swings a big bat. A lot of people are talking about that he is a guy that they believe he has the makeup to be a very successful college player at Mississippi State, and you begin to think, well, Steve, we feel really good about our young catchers, and we do, we absolutely do. Uh, but if one is good, two is better, and three is, is divine. You know, we, we Luke Hancock is a guy we love a lot. Hayden Jones, we think, you know, listen, we we think we're set at a catcher position. But as you guys know, when it comes to college baseball, most of these guys only play three years. You know, maybe you redshirt a guy maybe to save a year of eligibility, whatever. Maybe you move a guy to DH. Maybe you move a guy to third base. But uh, you could never have too many catchers. And so when I hear that this guy has kind of come on here, especially from an offensive standpoint, that is exciting to me. Now, you may not be aware of this, so let me go ahead and explain this for you. I don't know. If you go to a fall scrimmage or you hear somebody say, hey, listen, I went out there to duty, Noble Field, and Tanner Allen's out there in outfield. And that's true. That's true. Him and Josh Hatcher both are kind of competing for those corner outfield spots because as great as Tanner has been for Mississippi State at first base, he's a little bit limited over there. He's You know, right at 5'10", kind of got limited wingspan. He's given us everything he's got. But his future, his professional baseball future, is probably going to involve with him making a position change. Not a lot of guys with his you know, measurables to play first base professionally. And so – He's playing some in the outfield. He played some with Team USA in the outfield, probably a potential left fielder type guy. Uh, But Tanner is a great athlete and has played all over uh, in his high school and college career. And so him and Josh Hatcher, I think, are both candidates to play either first base or in the outfield. But uh, they're working some of the young guys at first base in fall camp. And uh, Brandon Pimentel junior college transfer uh, from Socorro out of El Paso, Texas. He shows up as a... had one year in junior college and was kind of a late signee, but uh, he's 6'3", 220, big guy that can really swing the bat. He he is a guy that's a, a real offensive player. Now, as we've seen, a lot of these junior college guys show up and it takes a little while to learn how to hit, uh, you know, the fastball on the SEC level. There's a lot of guys that see a lot of breaking stuff in college just because of the fact that... Uh, you know, that, that's what people don't have a plus fastball in Juco more times than not, so that's what they got to do to get you out. And they do a lot of breaking stuff, and you can adjust to it. You come up here at this level, uh, you're going to see 95, 96 on a regular basis. And so there will be an adjustment period, but he's a, a left-handed stick, and it's one of the things when I look at this group, we're beginning to kind of see a, a, a lot more left-handed hitters. So we're going to be able to kind of adjust our lineup. Play the percentages a lot more than we have in, in, in years past, and you saw Lamonas did a lot of that last year. And so when I begin to look around this group, and I begin to think, and I'm I'm going to say some things, and I want you to think I'm really disrespectful because I'm not. Jig Mangum is impossible to replace. That's just the reality of it, not just from a hitting standpoint, a offensive standpoint, a leadership standpoint, the intangible standpoint, but Jake was the kind of guy that could will you to a win. He was the guy in the dugout when things looked a little bleak that would remind everybody, you know what, it's a long ball game. It's a nine-inning game. You didn't give up around Jake Mangum. He wouldn't let you. And so that's one of the things I think you miss with Jake. Now, Elijah Mangum, he was hurt much of the year last year. Probably, Probably cost him a lot of money. Uh, a fan favorite, but you know, when I go back and I begin to look at these numbers, you know, and not not from a potential standpoint, but from a production standpoint, and that's one of the things that I think is important to look at. We have some have so many times we get caught up in in our emotions about all this, uh, but I want to look at this and and, and just kind of talk about a couple things here because I think it's important. There are so many people out there that are they get caught up on us losing Jake, and they think, okay, well, well Mississippi State's going to be rebuilding next year. Uh, we're not rebuilding. Mississippi State's going to be a very, very good team this year. Mississippi State's going to make another run and possibly be in Omaha this year. It all, it's all going to boil down to pitching. It's all going to boil down to pitching. Because offensively, we're going to be there. Defensively, we're going to be there. But when I look at Elijah Magna, he got hot a little bit late and hit 309 for the year. 309 for the year and uh, you know, played. I guess he started 46 games for us. To put that in perspective, uh, I'm looking at 2018. Let me back up here a second. Back, I knew, I, knew that, I knew that batting average seemed a little bit high, so let me get the right numbers here. I get ahead of myself sometimes, so I, I apologize for that. So your season statistics, yeah, here we go. Now we're now now we're cooking here. So looking at these numbers, Elijah McNamee last year didn't hit 309. He hit 286. Started 60 games. Uh, 217 at-bats, 51 runs, had a bunch of walks. That's one of the things last year that I think where he really kind of polished his game a little bit. It became a little more selective at the plate. Had uh, 36 walks last year. He led the team much of the year, and then Jordan Westberg, down the stretch, got a little more selective and passed him with 39 walks. All that said, it's not that difficult to replace a 208, 280 hitter. But what we what we what we lose in Mac, is the magic, you know that guy that always was always so positive in the dugout and always said you know what hey we're good we're good we're going to come back. That's where I think we miss Mac most of all. Not to mention the relationship as a fan base that we had with Elijah McNamee, and not just because of the big hits. I mean because people forget, you know it took him kind of a year and a half to figure this thing out, and then it just seemed like something snapped with him that la- that Florida series when the season was on the line back in 18 he had the big florida series and the next thing you know well he has the big walk-offs against florida state and vanderbilt and uh he has written his name in mississippi state baseball lore but when i look at this strictly from a production standpoint state should be able to replace some of those numbers uh he does have the seven home runs and uh you know i think the park plays a little bit smaller these days but uh you know, I, I we I wish we'd had a healthy Mac last year, and I wish that for him too, because I think that, that they probably would have played his way into some some better options and just played in independent league baseball. And he had a good year this year, and hoping the best for him. But I think Mississippi State's going to be able to get a guy in the, in, the, in the batting order that can probably produce at a similar level. Now, and that's just being fair. Uh, Dustin Skelton's the guy last year that uh, should have been the first team All SEC catcher. I, I don't I don't care what the scouts say. I don't care about his Major League Baseball potential. There may be some people that are better athletes than Dustin Skelton, but when you look at what he did last year, nobody did what he did in the Southeastern Conference last year. Dustin Skelton, 10 home runs, 55 RBIs, not to mention all the things he did defensively. Outstanding year for Dustin Skelton, and, it, and we're going to miss him. And that's one thing I think a year ago, I don't know anybody would have felt that way. He found a way, and give Cheesebro a lot of credit, found a way to improve himself defensively, especially blocking balls up in the dirt. That's where he kind of struggled uh, early in his career. But he pieced it all together last year, and uh, we knew that he'd be moving on. Wish him the absolute best. Hayden Jones, Luke Hancock, they might be better athletes, but it's going to take a year or so before they kind of round into form. That's why I think is, uh, is interesting. You know, it's interesting. Catchers develop at a different rate. They really do. Because until you've had to catch an SEC breaking ball or you've had to block one up in the dirt, you you, you don't know. And I, and I, you can play all the, all the, the fall ball and the summer travel team ball you want. But until you have to get out there and block one of those things up with a runner at third when the game is on the line, you don't know how to do it until you do it. Rowdy Jordan, of course, we expect him to lead off the order and and be the center fielder, and that's one of the things I had heard that and kind of asked him that and said, yeah, it's kind of what we're looking for. Rowdy's not the typical leadoff guy. You know, he's a masher. He's not going to go up there looking to work the count like some other guys will, and Jake didn't either. Jake never saw a pitch he didn't fall in love with. But you feel good about Rowdy being in in center, and then you figure out the corner outfield spots, and that's what fall baseball is going to do for us. But when I begin to think about what else is available – you know, Foskey at second, Westberg at third, It's short, pardon me, and Westberg had a, had a really good summer. And then we asked him about that. What, you know, he had the big numbers, what what changed? And he said, you know, we got to to to, uh, to the Cape, and they just kind of changed a couple things in his setup, and next thing you know, he's able to see that inside pitch a little better. He's turning on that pitch rather than taking it. And there were a lot of times last year, we talked about it on the show, is there were a lot of times, for some reason, in his vision, he thought that ball was in off the plate, and it wasn't. It was right there. And now he's made that adjustment. And it's one of those things, too, it's a minor thing. It's a minor adjustment, but it could yield major results. And I've had people tell me there are not ten players who would better make up long-term than Jordan Westberg in the country for this draft. And so if he can make the jump, and he hey, made a jump last year, but if he can make a jump and really jump into a first or second round-type deal... And there are a lot of people that believe he has that potential. And then you've got Foskey over there that led you in home runs 14. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to get 20 home runs this year because people are going to be a lot more careful with him. But this is a group, this is a group for sure, that has the potential to be as good or better than last year offensively. And as you can hear, those dogs are ready to go. <laughs> ready to go. Uh, but all that being said, uh, this is a team I think that's got a chance to be really, really good. And uh it's all gonna ball down the pitching. And uh you know, we know what we've got with JT Gen, who has come to camp in arguably the best shape of his life. He looks great, looks bigger, looks stronger. Sarantola had a good time with Team Canada. I'm gonna be a little bit limited this fall. Uh and and they'll be careful with uh, with McLeod too. He pitched an inning last week, a couple strikeouts, so this is a team again. You've got some questions to answer, but this is a nucleus of guys that they don't know what it's like to end the season anywhere but Omaha. You begin to th- think about that five that group of five juniors there with Faskue and Westberg and Roddy Jordan and Tanner Allen and Josh Hatcher. Those guys have won a lot of football, a lot, a lot of baseball games in their careers. And so we expect them to come in ready to play and really kind of push Mississippi State ahead. You know what you've got in JT Ginn. Got some uh and some guys kind of coming through. Brandon Smith's the guy that we expect to have a big year in some capacity. Is, is he a starter? Is he a closer? That's all kind of being worked out right now. I would say right now he's probably on the back end. Riley Self, Spencer Price are back. Those guys have now kind of a, a year removed from some medical issues. And I, I expect us to see Riley Self. The Riley Self that you saw in 2018, I expect to see more of that this year, I think you're going to see a really good player in Raleigh Self. He's healthy again. So we've got a chance to, to kind of piece this thing together. And that was one of the things last year, the bullpen was a real strength most of the year. Then you had some times there where you weren't quite where you wanted to be, but Colby White figured it out. Replacing him, I think, is going to be a big part of things. But uh, that's what fall baseball is for. And we're back, ready to go. Remind you, if you hadn't done so, go to starkvillainsthebook.com, pre-order your copies of Stark Villains, and if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to starkvillains.com, get your t-shirts and hoodies, outfit your family in it. I'm telling you, when you read this book, you're going to understand, you're going to want to identify as a Stark Villain. Well, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Monday, hopefully, recapping a Bulldog win. Hope that you guys have a great weekend with friends and family. Enjoy your time with friends and family, whether you're in the Junction or at home or around the country, and I would be remiss. Two groups of people that I want to thank today. And I don't ever, I never take this for granted. I want to thank our, our men and women of the armed forces and their families, and I'm always so grateful that we can bring a little, a little bit of home to you. I have, I get messages from time to time from some of our, our servicemen and women saying, hey, you know what? some of the highlights of my days listening to you guys you mississippi state guys back home with your podcast because we can get that over here and we have the opportunity to to kind of hear what's going on and it reminds me that what we're fighting for and it reminds me we've got something back home to look forward to and so you guys are doing a job that i didn't want to do and uh, i just want you to know how much i appreciate each and every one of you and i understand the sacrifices your families make uh my goodness that those are uh that's a life not a lot of people could deal with and so my hats are off to you and again I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my undying respect for the American farmer and I, I get messages from time to time from people say hey Steve I was out riding on the combine and we were out doing this and had to show on and wanted, just want to thank you for all you do and I'll tell you, let me thank you because we take that for granted we know, we understand most of us from my ex schools we understand who clothes and feeds you You know, without you guys, this country wouldn't be nearly as great as it is. And we've got some problems. We do. But our American farmers are are, are a source of strength for the American people. And, uh, again, my hat is off to you. And I'm so grateful that my dad worked for Farmers Home Administration in the United States Department of Agriculture for, for 33 years. And he taught me to have a healthy respect for our American farmer. So, again, my hat is off to you. And thank you so much for listening to The Boneyard. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat.